Now today, I want to share with you for a few minutes on the subject of His Word. I want to talk about God's Word this morning. And God's Word is anything that God speaks. Anything that God speaks. God uh, reveals Himself through His Word. That is how God has chosen to reveal Himself to people, to humanity, is through speaking, through His Word. He shows us who He is. He shows us what He's like through His Word. We get to know God better through His Word. Now, the writer of Hebrews says that God's Word is living, it's active, and it's powerful. That's what he says. He says it can, it, it, it's able to discern uh, between the, the intentions of the heart. It, he's able, the, the Word is able to look into your heart and know your motivation. Your Word is able to uh, divide things in your life and cut things out of your life that don't need to be there and, and put things in your life that do need to be there. God's Word, Hebrew says, is not dead, but it's alive. God's Word is not stagnant. His Word is moving. His Word is active. His Word has energy. It has force. And it is power. And it is powerful. God's Word, listen to this, is not boring. The preacher might be boring. I know that sometimes I'm boring. The preacher might be boring, but God's Word is never boring. It's dynamic. It's exciting. It is fresh. It is relevant. The writer of Hebrews word says that God's word is sharp like a two-edged sword. It pierces through our spirit and between our spirit and soul. It reads our minds and our thoughts, he says. He says, no one can hide from God's word, but that the word of God exposes all of us. He says, it, the word will bring you naked before God. You can't hide anything from the word of God. You can't put a mask on, the, on to, to, to keep the word of God from seeing you. You can't come in here and, and, and just put on your, your happy face and think that the word of God doesn't know what's going on in your life and isn't able to penetrate through your defenses. Now, that can be scary because I like my privacy. You know? If you just showed up at my house unannounced and walked in the door and didn't text or call or anything, didn't knock, and you just walked in, I'd be pretty upset with you. I know that I live in a parsonage and I live next door to the church, but you don't cross that door without letting me know first. You know what I mean? Because I like my privacy. I like to have my own space. And it can be a scary thought to know that there is nothing private before God's Word. There is nothing hidden before God's Word. We like to keep our secrets in the dark. Thank you very much. I would rather God's Word not know a few things about me. I would rather not know a few things about you. Sometimes as a pastor, things get shared with me that I really wish you hadn't told me. <laughs> you know, a TMI, too much information. Like, that's okay. I'm just kidding. But God's Word, there are no defenses and there are no walls because He can always penetrate through all things that we put between us and him but hear me I want you to understand this it can be scary to think like that but know this God's intention is never to harm you he doesn't search you out with that two-edged sword called his word in order to harm you instead he searches you out in order to bring you greater freedom from the ways of death and darkness in your life 
That two-edged sword is not there to wound you. It's there to cut off bondage and break chains off of you. See, the word, it is a double-edged sword. It's, it's a blade. It's a knife. And a blade isn't always used to destroy. It's not always used to harm, but it can also be used to heal. A surgeon uses a knife. And though the cutting might be temporarily painful, the surgeon only ever inflicts pain if he knows that temporary pain will lead to permanent healing. So even though sometimes, and you maybe have been in church, and the preacher said something that you thought he was speaking right to you, and it hurt when it got to you. And you might say, man, that, that, that inflicted a wound, that hurt, that, that touched a nerve in me. Or maybe you've been reading your Bible sometime and something jumped off the page at you and you're like, oh, I don't like that verse. I wish he had not put that verse in there because that steps on my toes and that deals with some things that I'm dealing with and that hurts. But the only time that the surgeon ever causes pain in your life is when he believes that that temporary pain will bring permanent healing and freedom. So the word of God, it might wound your pride but it'll soothe your doubts. The word of God might cut at your flesh, but in the process, he will heal and revive your spirit. The word might pierce into your thoughts and emotions, but by doing so, he will comfort your worries and your fears. The word might even reveal your sin, but in doing so, he's saving your soul. So, three ways that God reveals His Word. Three ways that God reveals His Word. Number one, the eternal Word. The eternal Word is not the Bible. How, how can you say that, Pastor Seth? Isn't the Bible what we believe in base our faith on? Absolutely. But there was a time when this book hadn't been written yet. So it can't be eternal. Now, Jesus says, He says, he says, this, this word's not going anywhere. And he says, you know, if anyone tries to add to it or take, take from it, they're going to be cursed before God. And he, he says, take this book seriously. But the eternal word is not the words written on a page. The eternal word is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, in the beginning was the word. And John chapter 1, verse 1 is not talking about the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This book is not your God. It's a great book, but the eternal Word is not the book. The eternal Word is a person. Notice, I pointed out in, Ephe or in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that he, he started talking about the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, and that, any, that it search outs everyone, and then he uses words like he and him when he's talking about the Word of God. Why? Because he wasn't talking about the book. He was talking about the man. The Word of God is Jesus. When you hear the phrase, Word of God, if you want to be good at theology, if you want to really understand what it means to, 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 be, uh, to have correct understanding of God and what we believe as Christians, when you hear the phrase, Word of God, the first thing I want you to think of is not the book. The first thing I want you to think of is Jesus. Because the Word was with God and was God. And verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
This is talking about a person, and it's talking about a God. It's talking about God becoming flesh. When you hear that word, that phrase, word of God, first and foremost, I want you to think about Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. The biblical understanding of the word of God is not just limited to words written on a page. The Bible teaches us that the word of God is anything and everything that fully communicates and conveys who God is and what God is like. And the Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That everything that uh, uh, he is the perfect revelation and the perfect image of what God is like. The word of God is not an it. The word of God is a who. The word of God is the one who generated and created the universe. John chapter one, verse, verse two and three say that through this word, all the universe was created and nothing that has been created was created without him. How did God in Genesis chapter one, create the world, create the universe? He spoke he used his word to speak. And the Bible in John 1 says that word was not just a verbal word. That word was a person. That word was God, the son. How did he do it? He didn't get out a hammer and nails and get, get dirt on his hands to build. He didn't go to a drafting table with pencil and paper and make out a blueprint for the galaxies. He didn't pour concrete and set footers for the foundations of the world. No, he created his world, his creation with his word. He spoke and light came into darkness. Dry ground came out of nothingness of existence. He spoke and waters filled the depths of the sea. He spoke and animals populated the earth and fish filled the waters and birds filled the air. His word created everything that you and I see. In fact, John says that the word of God was with God and was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made. God created the universe by his word. That's how in Romans chapter 1, Paul can say that even people who don't have a Bible and even people who don't know the Scriptures and have never heard the prophets speak, it says in Romans chapter 1 that even those people who've never had a witness of who God is in a written form, he says they're without excuse because God has displayed himself in all of creation. He has revealed himself through his words spoken that turned into a universe that was created. God, Jesus is the Word of God. Let me put it this way. God speaks, and God has been speaking since day one. And God has something to say even right now. And if Jesus is the Word of God, then Jesus is what God has to say. In other words, if God was going to sit down like a father and cuddle up with his child, and read that child a story, the story he would tell is the story of Jesus. If God wanted to tell you a story, the story he would tell is the story of Jesus. If God wanted to write a book, he did. And he wanted to put in that book everything we needed to know about him. It's there. And on every page... In that book, it would point to and lead people to Jesus Christ. It does. So this book is the word because it points us to the word. Are you following me? Are you with me on this one? 
God reveals himself through his word, and his word, first and foremost, is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. And so whenever you hear that phrase, word of God, I want you to think about Jesus because he is the eternal word. Now that leads me into talking about the written word, the Bible. So I want nothing I heard, I said, I don't want you to hear anything I said to make any less of this book. Because this book is how we know who Jesus is. And so this book is vitally important. It's just not who we worship. It shows us how to worship God. It tells us about the one we worship. It tells us about the one who saved us. But we don't worship the book. We worship the Word who is the Son of God. Are you all following me with that? I want you to get that. The written Word of God. Jesus is the eternal Word. The Bible is the written Word. The Bible is the written record of God revealing Himself in creation initially through, to and through His chosen people, the people of Israel. That's the story of the Old Testament. How God chose a certain people and used those people to be a blessing to the entire world. And then ultimately, the Bible tells us that God uh, fulfilled all of that mission through the man, Jesus, in the New Testament. The Bible is the written word of God because every page points us to and leads us to the eternal word of God, who is Jesus. Listen, every word on every page of this book is guiding you toward Jesus. Every single word. Jesus is present in every chapter. In Genesis, he's like the ram that Abraham found stuck in the thicket when he needed a sacrifice. He is the bread of life on the altar table in the tabernacle. Jesus is in the Exodus. He's in the burning bush that Moses talked to in the wilderness. Jesus is found in manna from heaven in Exodus that fell and provided food and sustenance for the people of Israel in the wilderness. In Daniel, he is that fourth man in the fiery furnace when the three boys are thrown in because they refuse to worship the king and say they're going to worship God. In Psalm, he is a good shepherd. He is a, he is a, leads us through green pastures to clear waters. In Jeremiah, he is the balm of Gilead who brings soothing and healing to every nation. See, he's, you can find Jesus on every page of this Bible. You can find him on every page of the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, it becomes even clearer. It's like we're trying to find out who God is and the Old Testament, the glass is a little cloudy. And then when you get to the New Testament, it gets a little clearer because now we see Jesus and the Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. See, in the Old Testament, a very select few people only got to see a piece of who God was. Even Moses, when he said, God, can I show you? Will you show me your glory? God said, you can't see my glory, but you can see my backside when I go by. You can see a little piece of me. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus came and he was God and he became flesh and we beheld his glory. No one had ever had that privilege before. So the glass gets a little clearer in the New Testament. And the Bible tells us the word became flesh. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He announced the arrival of God's kingdom. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He died on a cross. He was buried in a borrowed 
tomb. On the third day, he rose to a physical, resurrected, glorified body. And he walked on this earth as a resurrected Lord. And people saw him and ate with him and touched him and embraced him for 10 days. And then 10 days later, the Bible says he ascended into heaven and where he was seated at the right hand of the Father for all of eternity. And then 40 days after that, he sent his spirit, his presence, his dwelling place and the fire of the Holy Spirit on the church to empower us to be his witnesses. And then the Bible through the apostles teaches us how to live this out. And so you see the story. It's pointing us toward Jesus all in the Old Testament. The New Testament, Jesus shows up. And then they're after the Gospels and Acts. The rest of the Bible is teaching us how do you live knowing that Jesus is God and he has made a way for you to have eternal life. That's the story of Scripture. This is the Word of God because it teaches you about Jesus. I get concerned sometimes that we read the Bible and forget that the Bible is about Jesus. And when you forget that the Bible's about Jesus and reveals Jesus and points us to Jesus, you can kind of pull some things out of context. And you begin to take certain verses out of context and start to use those verses as a club to beat other people with. And forget that every verse we read in the Scripture ought to be read through the filter of who Jesus is. Can I tell you this as you're studying the Bible? Don't go to the Old Testament alone. Always take Jesus with you to the Old Testament because you can get messed up if you start looking at the Old Testament and forget about Jesus. Because remember, the Old Testament is a little bit cloudy trying to figure out who God is and what God is like. Not saying it's bad. I'm just saying we don't get the full picture until we get to Jesus. And when you get to Jesus, then you take Jesus as your tour guide into the Old Testament. And you say, okay, Jesus, explain this to me. Explain this verse in light of who you are and what you taught and what what we believe about you. That's how you read the Scripture and know that the Word of God is going to point you always to Jesus. The Bible is God's written Word because it reveals to us God's eternal Word, Jesus. We read God's written Word, the Bible, so that we can become intimately acquainted with Jesus. His written Word will introduce you to Jesus. His written Word will teach you about Jesus. His written Word will help you to know more about Jesus. And His written Word will help you become more like Jesus. How do I get closer to God? How do I get to know God better? How do I stop feeling so spiritually dry? How do I grow as a follower after the Lord Jesus? How do I get stronger in my relationship with God? How do I overcome my doubts about God? You go to the written Word. You cannot have a dusty Bible and expect to grow as a Christian. You cannot have a dusty Bible and expect to mature as a follower of Christ. I don't care how much worship music you listen to. I don't care how many great Christian friends you have hanging around you. I don't even care how many times you show up at church. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how many sermon podcasts you listen to. I don't care how many Christian books you might read. If you're not in this book, you won't grow. This is where you find the way to get some roots to your faith and get some roots to what you believe in and grow. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Please listen to all of Only listen to worship music if you want to. Please be in church every time the doors are open. It would really make me feel better as your pastor if you were. 
Please, if, uh, pray all the, the scripture says pray without ceasing and pray continually. Please, please listen to other sermons because there's lots better preachers out there than me and you know that. Go and listen to them and get fed and get fed, but don't let it be a substitute for your own time in God's word as it shapes you and molds you and points you to Jesus. Amen. Don't expect other preachers to carry you to heaven. Don't expect other worship leaders in Spotify and Apple Music to carry you to heaven. They can't do it. Only the Word of God can get you rooted in Christ and get you to a place where you're growing in the Lord. I love this quote from John Wesley. He said, oh, would you give me that book at any price? Give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. What's interesting about that is John Wesley read a lot of books. He was, he was conversant in like several languages. He knew Latin. He knew Greek. He knew Hebrew. He could speak French. He could speak English. He was educated. He read books. He wrote books. But he said, you know what? None of those other books and none of that education, none of that knowledge matters if I don't have this book first. If I don't make God's book my book. I talked about this a little bit last week. I want to say it again. If you want to grow deeper in your faith, stronger in your faith, closer to the Lord, you need to find a daily routine for receiving, for receiving the Word of God through the Bible. A pastor friend of mine shared this a few days ago. He said, daily reading starts off as a discipline, but it becomes a desire. As you make it a daily part of your life, you will start to, it'll start as a discipline. Yes, I've got to schedule the time, I've got to make time, and I've got to make sure I do it. But after a while of getting that discipline in, it's just like exercise. If you start off exercising, uh, I, I can't say from personal experience, but <laughs> I've heard that if you start off exercising on a regular basis, it's a discipline. But as you become more and more disciplined, then it almost becomes an addiction to exercise. You have to exercise. You don't feel right if you haven't exercised. Things don't seem to work out in your body anymore if you don't spend that time exercising because there it turns from a discipline into a desire. And it works the same way with your Bible. If you will start to discipline yourself, I want to challenge you. If you would just say, for the next 30 days, I am going to read my Bible every day. Remember last week, I said, you don't have to read 10 chapters. Read one chapter, read 10 verses, whatever it is. But for the next 30 days, if you would read the Bible every day for the next 30 days, I guarantee you it would stop becoming a chore and it would become something that you enjoy every day. As you start to encounter God's Word every day, you'll get addicted to it. You'll want it. You'll crave it. You'll feel it when you've missed out on a day. Now, a couple of practical things. You, a lot of people say, well, I don't know what to read or where to read. Again, pull your phone out. Take out the Believer's Fellowship app. Once you take a look at the bottom there, in that bottom right-hand corner, it says Bible. There you can find not only just the whole Bible there whenever you need to look something up, but there's a Bible reading plan in there, and it's the same Bible reading plan that I use in my life. And the reason I like this one is because it gives you a healthy diet every day of the Scripture. You know, some people will say, I'll confess something to you. Your pastor does not read the Bible through in a year every year. I know that's what makes you a good Christian is if you read the Bible every year. Sorry. I find, for me, that I would rather, instead of reading Genesis through, Exod or through Revelation every year, I find it better to get a little bit of different pieces of the Bible every day. Remember I told you don't go to the rest of the Bible without Jesus? 
So I read part of the Gospels every day. I want to hear from Jesus every day of my life. And so that Bible reading plan will give you a passage from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John every day. You'll get a psalm every day. You want to grow in your prayer life? Start internalizing the psalms because they are prayers. They are, they are, they are songs and, and, and ways of worshiping God. And then it gives you a little bit of the Old Testament every day. And then it gives you a little bit of the teaching in the New Testament, the letters of Paul and those kinds of things. And so, and you will get almost most of the Bible every year if you follow that reading plan, but it'll be in bite-sized chunks for you every day, and it'll be a healthy diet. You know, like in school, they have, I guess they don't do the food pyramid anymore, but they do the plate, right? And you have to have certain things that, that you have to, Rachel knows she has to make a meal every day for kids. You have to have uh, vegetables and you have to have protein and that kind of thing. You need that for the scripture as well. Get a little bit of Psalms. Get a little bit of Jesus. Get a little bit of the Old Testament. Get a little bit of the New Testament. And that's a great way to do it every day in your Bible app right there. Now, another thing, I told you last week, if you don't have a paper Bible, sometimes the phone can be distracting because the notifications go off and now you're worried about what someone texted you instead of what God's speaking to you through His Word. So if you don't have a paper Bible, I went and picked some up this week. If you don't own a paper Bible in your house, this is free for you. When you leave here today, you come up and get one of these and you take it home and you make it a discipline to start reading it. We actually have a, a, a kid's version as well in the other room. We'll grab some of those that are a little bit easier reading level because kids, I'm not just preaching to adults. If you can read, you can read your Bible. So if you don't have one, kids, we've got a kid's Bible in there for you. Adults, there's these here for you. You need a paper Bible where you can sit down. Maybe get the reading plan out of the app, but then close that and then start reading it in here. Amen? One other thing I want to share with you is in two weeks, we're going to begin something called Fire Institute on Sunday nights. Sunday nights um, have, I mean, it's, it's just, we're trying to revamp it and find different ways. And one thing that the Lord spoke to us uh, for this year is growth. Not, not necessarily growth numerically, but growth spiritually. And we want to make sure that we're equipping you as believers to be rooted in your faith. And Fire Institute is a great way to do that. It is four eight-week sessions and, and and we're going to start with the first one, and it's it's intensive Bible reading and discipleship. It is going to be it's going to be a sign up process. There will be a little bit of a cost to buy some of the books that we need uh, to give you for that, but you're going to get books, you're going to get teaching, you're going to be uh, led through and taught the word. If you don't know the word, if you're like, okay, you say read the Bible, but I pick it up and I don't understand it, this is for you. If you're like a new believer and you haven't really been taught the Word of God outside of Sunday mornings, this is for you. And I want to encourage you. You can go in the app right now and you can sign up for that and you can be a part of it. It's going to be an eight-week long course and then we'll take a break and then we'll do the next, next series of it. There's four series to it. But I want to encourage you to be a part of this. I promise you, we have, at our previous church, we saw people do this and, and we're friends with people who went through this, this session and the spiritual growth that they experienced was just, I mean, it, you can't even measure it or describe it. I was talking to someone this weekend that went through Fire Institute, and they said, you know what? I have never been closer to the Lord than during that season when I was in Fire Institute and reading the Scripture and fasting and praying with a group of people. Another person said that, you know what? I got healed in Fire Institute class because the Bible teaches us about healing. And as I read God's word, that word became faith inside of me. And I, I trusted God with my body and I was healed. 
Other people, they, they were reading in Acts and they read about the Holy Spirit and people said, you know what, I didn't know if I, what I believed about the Holy Spirit or if I believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I started reading the Bible and the Bible came alive to me and I was in class and my group came around and prayed for me after we read the Bible and I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of this and commit to eight weeks of this. I promise you, I'll, I'll make this deal with you. If you would go through eight weeks of this with me, and you say at the end of that eight weeks, I have not grown as a Christian, I'll give you your money back. And it's not very much money, but I'll give it back to you. Pastor Katie, a few weeks ago, stood in this pulpit and she asked a question. She said, I want you to examine your life. She said, or can you say that right now you are in the same place or a different place spiritually than you were a year ago? Have you grown any in your faith in the, in the past year? I suspect that there were some people in the room that would say, I don't know if I've really grown, or I maybe have grown a little bit, or maybe there were some people that say, you know what, I was closer to the Lord last year than I am right now. If you would spend time in His Word and allow us as your pastors to lead you through a, a, a process of getting into God's Word, it'll change your life. And you'll be able to next year say, you know what, I'm closer to the Lord because I've rooted myself in His Word. Starting in two weeks, February 21st, you can sign up in the app. We'll talk more about it next week as well. But if you want to get in God's Word, sign up for Fire Institute with us. I want to talk about one more thing, and I'm almost done. So we talked about God's eternal Word, that's Jesus. We talked about uh, His written Word, the Bible. I want to talk very briefly, I can't cover it all, but very briefly on God's spoken Word. We believe that God still speaks. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And I want to tell you this, these gifts that we believe in, prophecy and words of wisdom and words of knowledge, they are not primarily about future telling. God's spoken word when God speaks to us and through us is not necessarily about telling the future, but instead prophecy. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says the one who prophesies speaks to people to tell them their future. No. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their what? Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. God sometimes, oftentimes, speaks to us and through other people to us in order to bring strength and encouragement and comfort to us in our lives. God reveals Himself through His Word. And sometimes, oftentimes, if you'll seek Him out, maybe multiple times a day, God will begin to speak to you, that still small voice in your heart, or maybe someone who operates in the gifts of the Spirit will come to you and they'll say, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me a word for you. And they will speak to you and it's in order to give you strength. Strengthen means to edify, to build up, to grow and mature. To, it'll, that word will come to you to encourage you. The, the King James Version says to exhort you. And that word means sometimes to even challenge or correct you in some things. Or it comes to you to comfort you to console you, to speak words of peace and healing to us when we hurt or suffer. God's Word comes to you for these things. And He speaks through other people. Sometimes He speaks directly to your heart. And He will speak to you to give you strength, to encourage you in whatever you're facing, to even sometimes correct you, or to, to guide you in a certain way, and then also to comfort you and to bring healing to you. 
What happened this morning in worship? As Pastor Katie was leading us in worship, she spoke a prophetic word, and it wasn't about the future, it was about the now. And it was saying, this is God's heart for what's going on in someone's life right now. And that word was there to not only to strengthen you, but it also was a challenging word. It was to encourage you to do something for the Lord and to surrender some things to the Lord. But also, that word kind of brings comfort, right? That, hey, you know what? I love you. And I want to speak to you right now. And I know what situation you're in. And I want to speak into that situation. I want to give you just two quick things. Number one, God's spoken words through the through the prophetic gifts, always agree with the written word, the Bible. God is not a man that he would lie. God does not contradict himself. So if you're wondering, did that word really come from God? Did I felt like, man, I felt like God spoke to me. Was that really from God? Well, the first thing to check is, is that word that you felt like you received from God or that God spoke to you, does it conflict with the Bible? So God is not going to go tell you to rob a bank. Because the Bible says don't steal. I know that's a simple explanation, but that's a good way to look at it. It's like, you know what? God will never tell me to do something that the Bible says not to do. God will never lead me to something that the Bible calls sin. God didn't tell you to sleep with her. You're not married to her. God didn't tell you to go get drunk. I I had students when I worked with addicts, they would tell me, oh, God told me that it was okay to get high because that's how I'd experience God better, is to get high. No, God did not tell you that. No, he didn't. I'm, you laugh, there is a whole movement out there of people who call themselves Christians that say if you, you need to smoke something, take something, drink something in order to really experience God. It's a real thing. No, God didn't tell you that. God never speaks to you in a way that would conflict with his written word. And then secondly, God, when he speaks to you, it always points you toward Jesus and to glorify Jesus. I have been concerned. I told y'all a few weeks ago, I wish I could show you my private Facebook messages of all the crazy conspiracies and things that get sent to me. And pastor, what do you think about this? And what, what about this? And you need to know about this word or that word. And I'm a little suspicious when those prophetic words that these prophets that are living in their mom's basement and on YouTube you know, and all they're doing is glorifying a human being because God's word doesn't glorify man. God's word, God's spirit always glorifies and points people to Jesus. And so Jesus said this in John 16, verse four, he said, the spirit will come and he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit always glorifies Jesus. The Spirit doesn't glorify another human being, doesn't glorify the preacher, doesn't glorify the prophet. If the prophet is up prophesying and all he's prophesying is about how good he is, that ain't the Holy Spirit. It might be a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So we have God's Word primarily, I want you to remember, Jesus is the Word of God. He's the eternal Word of God. We have the Bible, and it's the Word because it points us to Jesus. And then God speaks to us on an individual basis sometimes or through a prophetic gift. And when He speaks to us, He's always going to agree with His Word, and He's always going to draw you into His Word. He's always going to draw you closer to Jesus. I want to close with this. You can stand with me. God is always speaking you need to position yourself to hear. 
God is always speaking. We have to position ourselves to hear. How do we do that? Reading Scripture. Being in the Bible. Getting His written Word inside of us. Attending church. Being in the house of God. Hearing the Word of God declared to you. Prayer and fasting. Spending time waiting for God to speak to your heart and speak to you as an individual. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being open to the gifts of the Spirit. Church, I wish that every person that calls Believers Fellowship their home, when you wake up on a Sunday morning, that your prayer would be, God, I'm going to church, and Lord, I want the gifts of the Spirit to flow. And Lord, if you want to say something or you want a gift to flow in that service, would you use me? Would you consider me when you're thinking about what you want to say and what you want to do today? Lord, if there's a prophetic word, I want to be the one to give it. Not because it's about me, but because I want to make sure you have a mouthpiece in the house. Lord, if there's a message in tongues and interpretation, Lord, I'll be faithful. If you lead me, if you guide me, Lord, I will obey when your Holy Spirit moves on me to speak because there's people in the house that need to hear your word. And so would your prayer every, be, every day be to position yourself to hear from God and then not just make that your prayer on Sunday, but when I get up to go to work on Monday, Lord, if you've got a word for somebody at work, would you speak it to me so that I can be a, a mouthpiece for your word to someone in their life today? God, would you flow through me in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And, and you can only do that if you've spent time in his written word, if you spent time in his presence in worship, and if you're choosing to live right, then God God will be you will be able to hear God better and you'll be able to know when God is speaking to you or leading you that you can be a spoken word to somebody and then remind them that there's a written word that they can experience God in and that's all going to point them to the eternal word who is Jesus and before you know it just because you turned an ear toward God people start getting saved because I'm listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in people's lives position ourselves to hear the voice of the Lord. Getting to a place where I expect to hear from God every day. Do you know that? You can expect God to speak to you every day. Maybe it's just something simple. Maybe it's something really profound, but He is always speaking and leading and guiding you. You say, well, I don't know if I hear God's voice, or I don't know if I know what that means for God to speak to my heart. Well, listen, you don't even have to have a word from God like that to hear from God, because if you're opening your Bible every day, you're hearing God speak every day. Well, God just doesn't speak to me that way. Well, have you read your Bible? Have you been in the Word? Have you been in a position to hear Him? And if you start doing that, you'll start to hear your voice will be tuned, your ears will be tuned to hear what he has to say.